What's up, everybody? It is the week 11 edition of the SCJ Preps Football Podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. Thank you so much for listening, as you have been throughout the entire season. My name is Zach James, and I am joined this week, as I am every week, by with uh, Justin Ruess. Coming up in this week, we have seven games, seven teams, 14 games of uh, playoff action for you in the Iowa area. Pretty much every class is represented uh, as it was last week with the exception of Class 4A. Those games include in Class 3A, Norwalk comes up here to face Sergeant Blue Fluton. In Class 2A, Prairie City Monroe comes up here to face OABCIG. In Class 1A, we lost Weston Christian, but Trainer comes over here to face West Sioux. And West Lyon goes over to the eastern side of the state to face Dyke New Hartford. And Class A, where Billy Central goes to not far from my neck of the woods, to trailer to face the North Tamer Redhawks, and South O'Brien goes to West Hancock. In eight-man play to round out our schedule for the week, Fremont Mills takes on Remsen St. Mary's. Justin, let's bring you in here, and let's start off with the game between Norwalk and Sergeant Blue Fluton. SBL had a really good game last week, uh, opening the playoffs in, with a win against Carlisle. This week, they face another Des Moines area suburban team. Do you think the outcome will be fairly similar uh, this week as it was against the Wildcats last week? No, it's going to be a different game. It's going to be it's going to be a tighter game. I feel just because uh, talking to Coach Justin Smith, uh, he he was talking. About, he said it's like we're kind of playing ourselves. We do a lot of the same things. So that's why that, that can be that can be a very you know dangerous matchup uh, in that aspect. Norwalk has had a pretty good offense all season. And their defense has held opponents pretty well. It's kind of like what Sergeant Bluff has been doing all season. Pretty good offense, led by very good defensive play. They can pass the ball. They can run the ball. Uh, or both, both teams can pass the ball well. Both teams can run the ball well. Norwalk runs a little bit better than, than – than, uh, Norwalk runs better than Sergeant Bluff-Luton, but Sergeant Bluff-Luton does pass better than Norwalk. But, you know, they can balance things out just like Sergeant Bluff-Luton can. So, uh, you know, this could be a really tight game uh, in this aspect. Uh, I think Sergeant Bluff-Luton has the edge based on their experience here. Norwalk's had some success throughout the years all too. So I think, I, I think it's going to be a tough battle here. I, I think Sergeant Bluff Luton has the edge, but, but it should be interesting to see how the two, the two same styles mix. Cause last week it was a completely contrasting style with Carlisle running all over. Carlisle got a good first drive, fumbled the ball. Sergeant Bluff recovers and Carlisle didn't, Sergeant Bluff didn't allow Carlisle to do anything for the rest of the game on either ends of the, either, either uh, side of the field. So it, it's pretty remarkable what Sergeant Bluff, now they're facing a total, totally different team that looks like them, which you can practice for. But you know that that just means you practice for. It. I mean that's a good thing, but it, it should be you know two teams that could be a slugfest right here. I don't I don't know how high scoring will be because of these two defenses, but it should be very interesting. So I think it'll be interesting too, and I think it is advantageous for the Warriors for SBL. I think both of their mascots are named the Warriors, if I remember right. But um, for SBL, I think. Seeing the style like they run, like you said, you can simulate that in practice. You can kind of see, get get a better look of what it what Norwalk's offense looks like, and I think that'll help SPL. And and SPL has done a good job against teams who like to run the ball, and and they've they've done well against any type of offense this year, really. But this is no different against a running style type of offense. The Warriors have done a good job against that. The one thing about the running attack for Norwalk, it is led by their quarterback, um, Zach Marker, who has passed for 1,600 yards. He's only completed 53% of his passes. It's not great, but he's only thrown five interceptions, so he's taking care of the ball. And and uh, 
you know, the 21 touchdowns by Zach Marker, that's pretty good passing-wise. He's yeah, rushed for 15 touchdowns. He's rushed for 951 yards, which leads the team. So, while they've stopped a lot of passing attacks, it hasn't quite started with the, with the quarterback. A lot of it has been the running backs, with the quarterbacks contributing in. So, this is kind of a 50-50 because – Zach Marker has the most carries on the team, too, with 179. But Dante Manuel has rushed for 726 yards, five touchdowns. So he's having a pretty good year. Ethan Carlson, 29 receptions, 10 touchdowns, 524 yards. Chase McKinney, 14 receptions for 405 yards and six touchdowns. So I think you find your deep threat there. Uh, Nick Marker has uh, uh, 32 receptions, 367 yards. So when Zach Marker doesn't run the ball, he can spread the ball around. When he doesn't run the ball, Dante, Dante Manuel can run the ball pretty well, and actually has better mm-hmm. yards per carry average. So it's it's interesting. That, that's a, that's a little sliver there because you know Sergeant Bluff Luton's running game doesn't start with its quarterback running the ball um, in that aspect. And this is the first time that Sergeant Bluff's seen it, but it's not too big of a wrinkle. Sometimes it can be. I don't know if it's going to be a huge wrinkle. Uh, Justin Smith sound confident in that, but that'll be interesting to see if that if that's the one thing that. That could cause a little problems with that. It starts with Zach Marker, the quarterback. And and another thing with the Warriors too is that maybe playing it playing a team like one facing a facing opponents like that. They haven't really had a close game. I would argue maybe the healing game has been close. But and I would argue last week it's been close too, because it is the playoffs. But do you do you see SBL that is a concern that they really haven't played a close game? In, in the last few weeks? I don't really see that as a concern because, you know, uh, the Harlan game was a little closer in the second week of the season. Um, and the reason it hasn't been close, they beat some good teams. They really, I thought the Spencer game was going to be close. Sergeant Bluff took care of business early. I thought the Carlisle game was going to be closer. And Carlisle was driving. They forced a turnover and go. And, you know, usually sometimes that is a concern. That's a really good thing to point out. But Sergeant Bluff Luton has taken care of its business True. That's 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 why it has been. So um, usually, I I think that's a very good point by you if, if that's a concern. But you know, this time I don't think it is because Sergeant Bluff Luton has been able to jump out to big leads against good teams, and that's very beneficial. That's something you like to see. And when it comes down to that, yeah, I, I've pointed that out too for some teams this season. They haven't played a close game, but it hasn't been kind of like this. So it, it while it could be a concern, I th- I don't think it is because it shows that they've stepped up to the occasion. And usually you don't you know usually you say that. I mean. It's, it's kind of like the, I don't want to say Clemson argument, where, you know, have they played a good team? So it, it, it does concern you a little bit, but the fact that they've been able to jump out to good leads against some teams, especially the last four weeks, is, is a very good sign for Sergeant Bluff Luton that these games haven't been closed. They've, they've taken care of their business. And another thing that doesn't help your Clemson argument either, and, and they're fifth in the co- first college football playoffs, which is like the first week of RPI. It doesn't really matter, but I think Clemson will find, find its way too. Into the top four, the I I absolutely think they do. Moving on now to class two A, uh, PCM comes up here to OABCIG. A lot of letters in there, but uh, I, I I think the Falcons will have a challenge against PCM. I think PCM won it all last year. If my mind serves correctly. I was in Wisconsin, yep. so I can use that as an excuse. But uh, the the Mustangs lost a lot from last year's team. Obviously, they still have a couple important pieces back, if I remember right. But I think Cooper DeGene and what he's been able to do all season, I don't think the Mustangs have seen that in East Central Iowa. It's true. I really don't. 
Yeah, they did beat Benton pretty handily last week, but I wasn't sold on Benton. I've got a loss to Des Moines Christian, where Des Moines Christian handled them. They lost to West Marshall, who just lost to ABCIG last week, and that was a 14-7 game. They Newton hung with him in this this year. Pella Christian, which was a playoff team, hung with him. They didn't blow out rolling stories. So there's games you look at a little concerning there for PCM. I wasn't quite sold on PCM this year. Now, when I said I'm not, I wasn't sold on the top 10 team. It's a playoff team they earned their way in. Um, so, yeah, so they can give the Falcons fits here. I do think the advantage definitely goes to the Falcons, especially if they home. PCM has to make a long trip, which will, which will wear them down a little bit. Um, 170 that, miles, I think, or whatever it is, yeah. Yep, so that's that's a long trip for PCM. So I think the advantage does go to OABCIG here. And, you know, but the one thing the Falcons have to do is take care of the ball. When I say that what the Falcons have to do, what Cooper DeGene has to do. He threw three interceptions last week. That kept Wes Marshall in the game. The week before against Green County, he threw four interceptions. He's had seven of his ten interceptions in the last two weeks. So he really needs to clean that up right now. Because this is not the time to start throwing picks all of a sudden. <laughs> this is – oh, my gosh. I just went down to another stat. I, I should probably mention this. It looks like the backup quarterback for OABCIG – a kid named Bennett DeGene. So, you know, yeah. just, just pointing that out there real quick. But, yeah, he has 10 interceptions in the year, and the seven have come in the last two weeks. So he hasn't turned the ball over until these last couple weeks. He's still running the ball really well, and he's still piling up some passing yards. But he's throwing too many picks, and he's not completing a good amount of his passes as he once was, 45% of his passes last week. His completion percentage for the year is 59%. So it was above 60 before this last week's game. I think Green County – Green County, he completed 46 of his passes. Vintage Cooper DeGene hasn't shown up the last two weeks, and they've still won pretty well, 35-13, 26-7. But you don't want to tempt that fate here. So it, yeah. Cooper DeGene has to do a better job of, of taking care of the ball and completing his passes, or PCM can pull off the upset here. That's the key. They, they can't allow PCM to stay in this game uh, in, uh, by winning the turnover battle. Um, yeah. I should say they didn't lose the turnover battle last week because – OABCIG had four interceptions on their own. <laughs> one by Cooper DeGene. Dejean, Dejean, yeah, DeGene. So, yeah, yeah. He, so we got one back. He got yeah. one back. He got one back. If, if you were on the OABCIG coaching staff, coaching staff, specifically on the offensive side, would that concern you that Cooper has had his lapses in the last couple of weeks? That would concern me. I mean, granted, I'm a Vikings fan who has watched Kirk Cousins. So <laughs> I've watched... I've watched infamous picks or missed field goals throughout my life. So, yes, that does concern me a bit. I had to watch Christian Ponder for a number of years. So I get concerned a little easier than some maybe. But, yeah, it does concern me a bit because this could be a game where you could really win the turnover battle here because if you can find a way to slow down PCM's running game, Aiden Anderson has 800 yards rushing, eight touchdowns. Sage Burns, uh, Burns, the quarterback, 695 yards and 15 touchdowns. If you can slow down the running game, you force them to pass. And while they've completed an okay percentage, they haven't thrown for a lot of yardage, uh, about 1,000 yards combined between Sage Burns and, and August Stock this year. They do have five interceptions combined, and they're forcing to do that. It's a team that's really been able to force turnovers this year. You know, like I said, four, four interceptions last week. Uh, OABCIG has um, a lot of interceptions. Jake Neiman has five on his own. Cooper DeGene has four on his own. And, and William Grody has two. So they've got um, – uh, 15 interceptions on the season, plus they've recovered a lot of fumbles this season uh, as well. So, 
you know, they, they need to be able to slow the run game, maybe cause a few fumbles that way, a couple fumbles that way, and then force them to pass because they've been able to pick off passes. So that's why it's important for Cooper to do that because you can't keep giving them chances in the postseason. If he takes care of the ball, I don't care if he has only one touchdown. If he has no interceptions to go with that touchdown, it's it, it really benefits OABCIG. You cannot give teams extra possessions this late. I don't care if you're – if you're some mediocre quarterback or if you're Cooper DeGene or if you're Brett Favre out there. I said Favre as a joke. You know, you can't throw interceptions late. I mean, it's going to bite you in the postseason. So he does need to take care of the ball in this game. Hopefully Favre doesn't hear that since considering he's coming to town here in, the, here in a couple months. I don't. Yeah, that's why, that's why his name kind of popped up with me right there. So. Yeah. By the way, he's coming to town, I think, January 11th to the United Sports Academy. Yep. There's North Sioux City. Check out SiouxCityJournal.com for more information on that. Moving on to Clots 1A now. Trader facing West Sioux. Um, West Sioux gets another home game. I think they'll use that to their advantage. Trader has had some, has improved week by week in the last month or so, but do you think it's going to be enough to dethrone the Falcons? Yeah, this is a very dangerous game for, for West Sioux right here. I think Trainer's got a, a good shot to pull off an upset. I kind of got this as a 50 50 game right now. Trainer doesn't. Trainers built sometimes in the in the in the same kind of mold as as West Lyon. Jake Fisher's rushed for a thousand sixty-seven yards. They've only passed the ball sixty-three times this year, and all those sixty times, only three interceptions. So we're not turning it over there. Um, last week, looking at their stats last week, they did pass twelve times, hundred twenty-one yards. The the thing is, what Western Christian was able to slow down Trainers' run game. Fisher still had two touchdowns, so um, it's one of those things where if you slow down the run game, you really take Trainer out of their game. I should have looked at the stats more closely. I'm wondering how many times Western Christian turned the ball over now. Um, boy, I'm not seeing much out of this game that because Western Christian really did shut the run game down last week for for Trainer, and they were still able to find a. Two fumble recoveries for Trainer makes a big difference there too. Yeah, but West Sioux needs to find a way to slow down the run game for Trainer. That's the key right there. Force them into passing situations. I know they completed 121 yards out there last week for Trainer, but I really believe a potent ground game is what what hinders West Sioux more than a passing attack. I think West Sioux's got the defensive backs to stick with some of them. You know, Cade Lineup plays back there. Bryce Coppick plays back there. They've got some good defensive backs back there. You know. Um, so that that's the kind of thing. Uh, Cade Lineout's more of a linebacker, I should say. I got that wrong, but um, so this this is a bit of a tricky game for for West Sioux all of a sudden. You know, it's a very physical trainer team, but you know, it's kind of like the West Line game. So was West Line, but West Sioux was able to stick with West Line and win that game late on a on a bad snap on a punt. So if West Sioux can stick with Trainer, if they can keep the keep their offense rolling, make it into a bit of more of a shootout. I don't know how Trainer sticks in with that. They need to get a few more stops in Trainer. That's the key here in this one. Get the stops. And they can bend but don't break in this one, um, or even don't even bend. But um, get get the stops. The offense, I think, can score against Trainer, but this is a good defense for Trainer. But Western Christian's not exactly an offensive juggernaut the same way West Sioux is. So um, only 10 points allowed. Uh, Trainer's only allowed 16 points in the last four games. However, Western Christian, Cherokee, MVAOCLU, those are two really bad teams. Missouri Valley is not any better. Underwood was able to score 20 points against them. Shenandoah was able to score 20 points against them. This defense can be had. West Sioux just, I think West Sioux's got to get in the 28-30 point range. And if they do, I think that benefits them greatly in this game. 
But can Trainer hang with him? Is it the trainer's advantage? I, I guess I'm asking to be in a shootout with Wesu. No, it's not, tra- it's not. No, okay. I'm saying Wesu. If they get 28, 30 points, okay. it's, it's really good for them. Trainer, I don't think Trainer can stick with them in a shootout. Just the way they burn up the clock and everything with the run game. I don't think it benefits them. They've got to keep the score low in this one. So if, if this Wesu offense, which is, you know, Hunter Ducker's leading them, you got Cade Linet out there. You know, Bryce Coppock had a couple of nice receptions last week too. Um, I, I think that's going to benefit them greatly. Bryce Coppock's a running back with 820 yards receiving this year. So you can yeah. see him. He's been very involved this offense, the passing game the last few weeks. So uh, I think he's kind of the key there too. get him to open up the offense that opens up. Blake Bayug and, and, and Cade Lineup, definitely. I mean, he's got 1,433 yards receiving and 14 touchdowns. So I think, you know, if Wesu can, can make this, uh, you know, can get the 28, 30-point range, I think they've got a very good chance to win this game. I think they do too, and I think they, they can get to that point and get back to the Dome. And, and if uh, they get, yeah, if they get anything over 20 points, that's more than what trainers allowed in any game this season so wow that but their 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 schedule hasn't exactly been a juggernaut you know western christian's easily the best team they faced this season the other one being underwood which west sue just handled last week so yeah that's good that's good transitive property right there comparing maybe uh, yeah they beat trainer beat underwood by four west sue beat underwood by about you know 20 by 42 to 7 so that's the key there. Underwood was able to say, that's why I say if Wasu doesn't let trainers' defense get to them, they can't have be a low-scoring game. They really need to get out to the 28-30 point range here. What, what about this West Lion-Dyke New Hartford game? I think this is an intriguing game. Like we talked about last night, um, Dyke New Hartford has just had a really uh, rich tradition of having fall, fall, successful fall teams. So, football team, obviously. The volleyball team missing state for the first time since I think what what did you say earlier this afternoon? Two thousand something like that. Yep, That's what I thought. So you know that Stike New Hartford team is going to be prepared to play on Friday night. What do you think West Lion needs to do to kind of eliminate Dyke New Hartford just like um, their volleyball team has been? Um, well, Dyke New Hartford, I believe, uh, lost to Wesu two years ago in the state title game. I'm, if I'm thinking, I, I might be thinking wrong there. Or maybe it was in the semifinals last year that Dyke New Hartford lost to Wesu. Somewhere along the line, Wesu mm-hmm. did beat Dyke New Hartford. Might have been for the title, or maybe it was Van Meter for the title last year. Maybe or maybe it was Dyke New Hartford. Um, Dyke New Hartford has had a very good football team for a while. Yes. Um, for, for a bit here the last few years. Uh, they blew out North Lynn, which is a good team, not a great team. But Panorama st- – Stayed with them. However, it, the conditions were not that great last week, and Dyke New Hartford found a way to get get through that game. Westline just needs to do the same thing it's done for the last twenty seven years under Jay Rosenboom: run the ball, win first down, control the clock. Run the ball, win first down, control the clock. Run the ball, win first down, control the clock. Do I sound like a broken record? Yes, but Westline's won state titles based on that throughout the years. They've got as good as the history Dyke New Hartford has. West Lyon's got a better history uh, at football. You know, that's just the way Jay Rosenblum's been doing it for 27 years. It's worked out great. You know, they've had a little more passing the last couple of years. That's worked out great. So if they can win first down, if they can get, if they can wear down this Dyke New Hartford team, it'll be interesting. They need to, you know, the defense, the offense for Dyke New Hartford is not as good as West Sioux. That's really the only offense that's given them a lot of trouble this year. And still they're able to slow down West Sioux and the winning score came on that, that punt. Yeah. So, they need to find a way to get after uh, Drew Sonnenberg here, get him under pressure. He's passed for 1,720 
yards and 24 touchdowns. Cade Bennett's rushed for 1,501 yards. So that's a well-balanced offense right there, but nothing that West Lion hasn't seen before, like I said, Wasu. So if West Lion can get its defense rolling, it's going to be a long trip. Osage got all 14 of its points in the first quarter, and I bet you some of that was because West Lion was trying to get their legs under them right there. This is going to be a long trip. It's not going to be as long as going to Osage, though. No. Because you just take Highway true. 20 all the, all the way across. Yep. Well, West Lion is in the northwest part of the state, but it, it might be about the same distance, actually. So when I think about it, when I take my trip from Rock Rabbits to Waverly. Um, so it might be about the same distance. So, you know, it might take a little bit. They, they can't ha- – they might have to leave as early as they can, try and find a way to get their legs under them. That's the key. How fast do they recover from being on a bus for three hours, four hours? You know, how long do you recover from that? That's the key there. They might want to get take an extra hour or two early to really loosen up their legs, really get rolling. That's going to be the key in this one, how they recover from that bus ride. Because if they recover well, if they're able to keep Dyke New Hartford in check early, I think this turns into a slugfest that West Lyon's got a very good chance of winning. Because there's one thing West Lyon knows how to do. It's one slugfest. Yes, yes. And and where the defense down with their run game too, they've done that several yes. times this season. I believe that they can do that here against Dyke New Horford. Do, do you think? And maybe I asked this last week too, but do you see that see West Lane using? Hey, we're going on the road two weeks in a row. Play the disrespect card. Do, do you think you they're going to play that card this week? This week, I think they are. I think they're going to have more of a chip on their shoulder this week. Last week, I think they knew they could easily handle Osage. This week, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be anything they can do to motivate them, say no one really respects them. I really think they do play with the chip on the shoulder more this week. And, and uh, I would too because going, up, going to Osage last week, coming back home, and then going clue back to the eastern side of the state, to the, back to the Cedar Valley to play Dyke New Hartford, that's tough. And Is it unfair? Yeah, maybe a little, but you just have to adapt, improvise, and move on. And while that sounds sweet on the surface, you kind of have to be a little miffed off about that. Yeah, I, no matter – there was going to be some team that bit the bullet. And unfortunately, unfortunately for West Lyon, it was them. And that's just – you know, Jay Rosenboom's a good enough coach to use his motivation. And if you use it right, it really plays to your advantage. And I think they can. And, you know, this – I mean, honestly, this is a game that I could peg as being as a state title game. That, that's how big this game is. And, and – and Jay will probably be saying that too. It's going to be an interesting game, and uh, it'll be one I really want to track there. I, I haven't heard Cedar Falls times, or the, I'm sorry, the Water of the Courier is going to be out there. Um, uh, so I'm interested to know if they're out there because I'd love to track this game and see how this game goes. So. Yeah, I, I would like to track this, this, this game. This is one of my yeah. favorite. This is my one of my favorite games on the whole entire slate, not just our slate, but the whole entire slate. This is one of my favorite games right here of the, of the whole of the whole weekend. Would you say it's your number? It's your top favorite among the entire Iowa high school slate this week? Yeah, I really like this game. This game really intrigues me. I, I, I really think this is the best game on the slate. I'm, I'm maybe in, maybe I'm biased that, but I just, I just think it's a very intriguing game with just how both teams match up, the travel, what Westline can do, the history between you know, with Westline and the history yeah. of Dighton Hartford lately. I think it's, I think it's a very intriguing game. I do too. I do too, and hopefully. Hopefully someone from the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier covers that game. I don't see why they wouldn't, and uh, make sure to follow our Carl. They've got, they've got a lot of games. That's why. Yep. I mean, it's a, yep. they're, they're just busy we are. So that's kind of one of the things where they just might be that busy. So, Yep, make sure to follow our co- colleagues over there and all around the state for uh, good high school football coverage 
throughout the state on Friday night, and also next week, too, for state volleyball and state football. You're listening to the SCJ Preps podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. I'm Zach James. He's Justin Redston. We'll move on now to the Class A portion of our playoff schedule for the Week 11, if you will. And it'll be um, a, a good one here. And, and another team that has to travel a ways on Friday night, that's the Woodbury Central Wildcats they, as they go to Trayer to face the North Tamer Redhawks. And, yeah, Justin, Woodbury Central didn't have to travel last week. And Wade Mitchell looked really, really good against that Westwood defense last week. Jace, um, the entire uh, Wildcats offense did. But North Team is going to be a much, much tougher challenge. Yeah, they really are. Uh, you know, Westwood was trending in a different direction. I think North Team is trending in a good direction. You know, they almost did get upset last week, though, against Central Decatur. 16 to 6, but once the conditions really played havoc on a few games last week. Um, North Scott Xavier is a game that, that kind of looks mm-hmm. like that. North Scott pulled that upset off. So um, it's interesting to see how much last week was really about the weather or how it was playing a tough team because, you know, North Tama, they've blown out some teams. There's just some games in here. The Grundy Center game was pretty close 14 13. Grundy Center is a pretty good team. Um, but Hudson played them tight. Wapsie Valley played them tight. Lisbon played them tight. So how much was it the weather? How much has it been? That's just been kind of the game, some of the games that North Tama has gotten in this year. That's exactly what Woodbury Central needs to do. This is a, a game for the Woodbury Central to come from the other side of the state and say, our defense isn't just good against the teams that we've played on this side of the state. It is good against everyone. So this is going to be on the defense right here for Woodbury Central to really keep them in this game because this, this defense has been very good. Yes, it they've has. Got, That's I mean, a they've good got point, too. Playmakers on Wade Mitchell – I mean, he's just a physical guy out there. I mean, that's a guy that's, who's going to be over in that neck of the woods ne- next year at UNI to wrestle for the Panthers. Plus, you know, Mitchell Countryman's been good on both sides of the ball. Uh, so they, they've got a very physical defense that all they've been doing is pretty simple, doing their jobs, filling the gaps, making sure they don't overcommit. They're, they're a very disciplined club, as, you, as you've probably seen a couple times. Yes. They, you know, they really stay with the runners. Um, the one thing is that the passing game is a little bit different than it would be against the Westwood. But, you know, Gage Heisel has been all over the field, 60 tackles. He's forced two fumbles. They've caused so many turnovers. Kane Schmidt, three interceptions. You know, <coughs> excuse me, Ethan Copeland and Mitchell Countryman have been really good on the defense. Nine tackles for loss for, for Heisel. Six for Mitchell. Five for Copeland. Five for Warren Smith. Seven for Ty Dennison. Five for Nate Monahan. Nate Monahan's another tough nose wrestler right there too. So you've got a lot of guys who are used to physical play. They want, and that's the thing. You have to. It's just like Westline. You have to maybe go a little bit sooner so you can get the legs loosened up a little bit in that aspect. Because you know North Team has done a good job of, of of running the ball this year, but their passing game hasn't quite been there. If they can take away the run like they did against Westwood, North Team is in trouble because of how many passes. Uh, Woodbury Central has been able to pick off this year. Four interceptions for North Tama, but they've only thrown it 96 times. If you can force them to pass it, um, Skyler Staker has only passed for 45% of his, completed 45% of his passes. Take away Noah Weber and that running game, and I think Woodbury Central is able to pull off an upset here. Yeah, I, 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 I give yeah. the edge to North Tama because of the travel. I think it's 60 yeah. 40, though, and I think if Woodbury Central's defense shows what they've done all year, they can pull off the upset in this game. And, and that's a good point by you. 
I interviewed Wade Mitchell after last week's win against Westwood, and he said the exact same thing about the defense, that they're just the guys who are just staying in their gaps, staying in their lanes. They're not doing anything special. They're not overcompensating for anything. They're not trying to play hero ball. Um, that's more of a basketball term I get. But they're, they're not doing more than the, what they're asked of, and they're just getting the job done. It doesn't have to look pretty. It just has to look solid, and that's what the Wildcats defense is doing right now. Yeah, exactly. And that offense poses some threats to North Tama and the fact that, you know, Wade Mitchell's been running tough and hard. Plus, mm-hmm. you got Mitchell Countryman and Ethan Copeland. You can really mix things up with those two athletes out there. Jace Maker's been good. So, if they take care of the ball on the offense side, cause some turnovers, God, it just I'm, – I'm selling myself on this game a little bit right now just by looking at this stuff. Just because North Tama doesn't do anything crazy fancy – you know, with, with throwing the ball. So, like I said, if, if they, it's, it's not like they haven't seen a rushing attack uh, at Woodbury Central. Westwood runs the ball well, and they've stopped him twice. Lawton Bronson runs the ball well. They stopped them. You know, Hinton runs the ball well. They stopped them. Their whole thing, they've been able to stop some good rushing attacks. Uh-huh. Now can they do it again? Try center a team that's been put up some points on some teams. Held them to seven points even though we just saw South O'Brien just run all over them this past week. so But, yeah, we'll, we'll get South O'Brien here in a bit. But, yeah, if Woodbury Central can stop the run, which has been their MO all year, this is a very dangerous game. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and uh, maybe Woodbury Central isn't playing the same disrespect card in terms of travel that West Lyon might be this week. But I think travel plays a factor in here, too, because there is no easy way they can from Mobile to Trier. Yeah, not. no, it, it, it's not – there isn't an easy route to. You are exactly right on that. So that'll be interesting. That's why I say if you can find a way to go early and maybe find a way to get the legs loosened up, get things rolling, get get get, get a decent meal on you and, and such, that, that could play a long ways. But there's just no – there's just no trick to playing on the road and not that long a road trip. So you just you just kind of hope – you try and make them as comfy as possible and, and go from there. So Absolutely. You mentioned South O'Brien, and let's talk about South O'Brien as so- well. They're also on the road as they go to West Hancock. And like you mentioned, uh, South O'Brien's run game kind of ran over, uh, kind of dominated last week. Do you see that repeating itself this week against that West Hancock defense? No, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, this is a much much tougher defense right here. Um, West Hancock gave up 26 points to Garner Hayfield Ventura. It's a good team. Um, and after that, no one's gotten over 20 points on them. Bishop Garrigan did get 20 points against them. Uh, no one else has gotten more than 20 points there. And the last few weeks have been you – know, they held IKM Manning in check. Some of those teams aren't the strongest, of course, I'll admit. You know, Forest City, uh, Emmitsburg's offense has been bad this year. Osage offense hasn't been good this year. North Union, West Fork, GTRA, and Belmont Clam are all bad teams. So maybe that's something where, where South O'Brien can catch them off there. But I, I, I really like this West Hancock team. They run the ball really well. Just uh, not as well as South O'Brien. Well, maybe better than South O'Brien because I see it. Tate Hagen's rushed for 1,600 yards. Joseph Smith has rushed for 987. Cole Kelly's rushed for 972. So that's a lot of yards. That's 3,400 yards between uh, among all three of those guys, and that's a lot of their touchdowns. 23 touchdowns for Hagen, 13 for Smith, 17 for Kelly. So this is a team that's going to get physical with you up front, I believe, and, and really try and wear you down which is exactly what South O'Brien tries to do against you. These are two teams that run about the same style. South O'Brien is a little simpler, though, because you know who's getting the ball with them. It's Tristan Wilson. He's got more than 2,000 yards rushing. He had 
180 yards on only 18 carries last week. They actually threw the ball nine times, actually. that's I think that might be a record for the last few years. <laughs> so South O'Brien's going to try and do the same thing. They're going to try and line up at you. They're going to try and wear you down, take you down, and be in that fourth quarter. They're going to be in that game with you. Unlike last week where they ended that game in the first quarter. Um, wore down Tri-Center in the first quarter. So it'll be a lot tougher against West Hancock, a team that does it. Uh, you know, it's going to be a huge upset if, if South O'Brien pulls it off. I, I've got to give a major edge to West Hancock in this one. But based on what South O'Brien did last week, maybe it's a little closer than what some people may think. But I, I just I just think that uh, IKM Manning is kind of, I don't want to say the same ilk as South O'Brien, but they weren't too far off in the RPI. So the, the, they got to make sure this game doesn't get out of hand early. If they can stick in this game till the end, they got a chance. But they've really got to limit uh, West Hancock early, not let West Hancock get out with major uh, time of possession in this one and get the ball back a bit and make some stops. And say in this one, it has to be a low-scoring game because there's no way they're sticking with West Hancock if it becomes a high-scoring game. I just, I just think West Hancock can get the 25-30 range. And and more importantly, probably too for South O'Brien's defense, South O'Brien's defense is um, don't allow first and second down to be long. Don't make it third and short for them where they can run the ball. Um, they'll probably still run the ball. I'm talking West Hancock. West Hancock will probably still run the ball on third and long, but. That's a much more ideal situation being a third and seven or longer than it is a third and three or shorter. And West Hancock can rely on the run game and not be as stressed out about it either. Yeah, exactly. So that's exactly right, too. So it'll be interesting. I mean, South O'Brien showed showed probably their best game this season last week against Tri Center. And that's what makes you think they got a little better chance than I thought in this one. I, I, you know, I kind of favored Tri Center last week just because, you know, South O'Brien, with the way they play, it allows teams to stick, to stick with them. But last mm-hmm. week they put them away. So, like I said, they, they, they've got to – you know, they got to get a couple early scores. They, they really can't let Wes Hancock get control of this game early or else it could be really bad. But, like I said, I, I do have to give the uh, major advantage to Wes Hancock in this one. Moving on to our final game now in eight-man ball. It is Fremont Mills taking on Rebs and St. Mary's, and that's a shameless plug. I will be at that game. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at ZacharyWJames. I'll provide scoring updates throughout that game. And, of course, I'll provide a full game story later Friday night uh, and in Saturday's paper at SiouxCityJournal.com. I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to see what this Remsen offense is all about. Um, I know the Hawks have been been pretty dominant throughout the entire season um, and and the entire calendar year dating back to the baseball and basketball season. So they do have experience with – um, with big games, and obviously this is their biggest football game to date. Yeah, it 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 really is their biggest one. I mean, experience is kind of on Rems and St. Mary's side with how, how tight there is a unit. You look at the the major game that Fremont Mills has played this year against Audubon. They lost that one twenty three nothing. That's a team Rems and St. Mary's has beat, and oh, not scoring against Audubon is, is is a major thing you can look at there. Um, Coon Rapids Bayard. They kind of let off toward the end of the season. They, they beat them 22-6. It's a very good win, but um, they really pounded East Mills. But as we saw, Rems and St. Mary's really pounded East Mills. So you kind of look at this game, and Rems and St. Mary's just has to go out there and play their game. That's been the main thing they've been able to do. They've been able to enforce their will. Skyler Waldschmidt's been an absolute force on the defensive line. Um, if they can create some havoc there, get them out of their passing game, that's going to be the key because they've played the run very well. Um, the one thing that uh, I talked to Coach Arnold today about, 
they did have a stretch against East Mills where they weren't as solid as they should have been. It's about a seven-minute stretch. That's when East Mills got a couple touchdowns in there, and, and Remsen had a big lead, but it kind of let East Mills back not, – not quite back into it. I mean, Remsen had a nice cushion, but, you know, they kind of let East Mills back into it. They can't do that against Fremont Mills here. Um, you know, they probably couldn't still win the game, but I think that's something down the road they really have to fix. Jeremy Conk had a great game with 261 yards rushing and, you know, on 23 carries. If they can really that, – that's another weapon for them there. You know, everyone kind of keys on Blaine Harpenau. And all of a sudden you have Jeremy Conk going off for 261 yards, and now you got to change your whole thing. you got to focus on this guy that just ran for 261 <laughs> yards. So 11.3 yards per carry for him. So, so you really got to focus on that too. Yeah, so um, uh, it's really tough to stop this Rumson St. Mary's offense because they're athletic. They've got some playmakers. Uh, you know, Skyler Waldenschmidt, as good as he is on the defense line, he's been making some plays in the passing game for them. Um, Damon Brownmiller caught a touchdown. Austin Jensen caught two touchdowns from Blaine Harpenau. So they can really spread it out on you. And they're, they're very dangerous there. And I just think that's going to cause Fremont Mills some issues there because unlike them, they, they really run the ball. Um, Seth Malcolm has run, rushed for 1,578 yards. Um, they've only, uh, Colton... Hans Child has only passed 57 times. He has more interceptions, four, than touchdowns with three. So you want to really be able to slow Malcolm down, force him into the passing game, and really really take advantage there. And if you force him into the passing game, I mean, Skyler Waldenschmidt's been all over, guys. You know, Coach Arnold said he really gave East Mills fits last year. And given the fact that he has, like, 16, t- 16 sacks on the year, I can Jeez. see why he's given – he gave his East Mills some trouble. I think he's got 16 – sacks let me check it 15 sacks he only he only had one last week he's got 16 tackles for loss this season solo so and Noah Schrader's been very good with 113 tackles so this team has played the run well this season they have faced some good offense Harris Lake Park comes to mind Audubon definitely comes to mind so if they can really play that run game well which I think they will I, I think Remsen comes away with a 30 40 point win again here is Remsen's defense kind of underestimated? I know we've talked a lot about their offense, and I, you talked a lot about their defense there. And Yeah, their defense is a big part why the, the Hawks are in the quarterfinals, but is, is their defense undervalued? I think anyone that plays eight-man football, their defense is undervalued. That's true. Okay, that's I always think we always look at the gaudy offensive numbers in eight-man football. And we forget about the defense sometimes. So I think that's exactly on point. I think you're right there. That's one of those things that took me so long to notice Skylar Waldenschmidt's defense numbers because they're blowing everyone out. I'm like, well, then I look, I'm like, oh, my gosh, look look at Noah Schrader, 113 tackles, 16 solo tackles for loss. That's really good. So, you know, that kind of gets lost in the mix. And they've, they've you know, have a lot of interceptions. I say, you know, make them throw it because they have a lot of interceptions on the year. Um, 16, if I'm doing my math correctly, 16 interceptions. Three guys have three interceptions. Two guys have two. And, you know, they, they've had some fumbles in there. They, they've caused some fumbles in there, too. So, you know, their defense has been outstanding this season. And it's really allowed them. You know, their offense has been really good. And yeah, you look at the defense. It's been really good this season. And that and defense does get lost in the mix in eight-man football yeah, games. It does. And, and understandably so, because you have games that will be 75 to 68 or something like that. Or, or even in 11-player football last year, it's North uh, game against, I think it was Jefferson. Now that was an anomaly, but um, there are some games where you have high scoring offenses. But in eight man play, it, it, having low scoring games, having teams that don't score very many points, is it, kind of 
a rare species. I, having good defense as an eight-man play is kind of a rare species. And I think Remsen St. Mary's falls into that rare category. Yeah, it does. I mean, they're well-balanced on defense. They're well-balanced on offense. And I just, I, you know, they're, they're a team that I, I – they've been getting first-place votes for a reason. Not for me. I'll admit it wasn't for me. So no, I'm not for me you kind of look, maybe can, could they hang with a Don Bosco? You, you just don't quite know now. And they've beaten no, Audubon, you don't. and that's Audubon's only loss on the season. And you look at it like, well, that's not a bad loss at all because it's by one point. So, you know, that, that top of the eight-man is, is really balanced right now. Yes, it top, is. Top three, four teams right now are pretty well balanced. And even the eastern side of the state is too because Turkey Valley, I think, is playing HOV. Yep. Easton Valley, I don't remember who they play off the top of my head, but – um, the eastern side of the state is just as strong as the western side of the state this year in eight man. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, six classes, but especially in eight man. Yeah, it should be eight man is you know deeper this year across the state. And yeah, it, it is. You, you do get your clunkers. There's a pretty big divide though. The top teams are really good. The bottom teams are really bad. So you do have that. And that's really going to thank for eight man there. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else that's that you're looking for as, as we close up shop here? Uh, no, I'm just, you know, I kind of talked to the, the Waterloo Courier, too. And, you know, they, they've got their eyes on that Woodbury Central North Tama game, too. And I just think that could be the sleeper game of the week here. I think a lot of team people are really looking at North Tama to take that one. I think that could be a knockout, dragout game. I, I, I that's another one I'm really interested to. I think there's some such good games on the slate. Um, I, I will say it was nice seeing North Scott knock off uh, Xavier, so I'll see a new champion mm-hmm. there. I think Western Dubuque is a team to beat in 3A. But, you know, whoever Me wins too. the Sergeant Bluff Luton Norwalk game, Gets in that title talk mix too, because awesome you're in the dome. I mean, a lot of things change. That Sergeant Bluff Luton Norwalk game, you, you won that game, and all of a sudden with Cedar Rapids Xavier out of the mix, you're one of the higher seeds too, and that helps you going into this RPI, going to this into the dome. So that's it's a very beneficial game that Sergeant Bluff Norwalk game, the winner of that one. A couple of quick hits on volleyball since I doubt we'll do a podcast next week since you'll be busy in Cedar Falls and, and Cedar Rapids with volleyball. And football, we have some really a really good crop of teams going to state volleyball. We've got Western Christian, we've got SBL, we've got Galen Catholic, who just won a great five setter tonight against Newell Fonda. Um, who Unity is in that mix mix as well. I I hope I I'm not forgetting anybody else, but we've got a good crop of volleyball teams next week, and I, I'm excited for you to see those teams finally. Yeah, it'll be a real. I mean. I think I saw Western Christian about six years ago, and they're the same very great team. So, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so you got that. Yeah, it'll be really nice. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if anyone can keep up with Western Christian. They've just dominated this year. You know, their only losses are some of the best teams from Lincoln and Omaha and to Sergeant Bluff. So, you know, that that's quite the mix right there. And then, um, you know, Sergeant Bluff Luton really proved the point, I thought. They, they had some good yes, wins. They did. But apparently they wanted to prove a point. They just absolutely crushed Carroll. I think they're the favorites in one A uh, in four A. I really do. Unity and, and Galen, uh, Unity is going to have to pull up an offset in the first round. They got a really tough matchup in the first round, and Galen I, has to play better than they did tonight. They've got a very tough matchup with North Tama in the first round, so uh, those will be interesting. Um, but yeah, Western Christian and Sergeant Bluff are just playing so well right now. You almost kind of want to say if they make the championship games and win the championship game, maybe just. Have them play another set out yeah. there because it's been it's been too 
two really great matches between the two, and they've split this year. So, and and as a shame of split to you two, you did, this week's Metro Athlete of the Week is on Ellie Sneller. Yeah, a lot of the attention of the Warriors goes to Kenzie Foley, appropriately so. But without Sneller's role on the team, a lot of teams can key in on Foley. So Sneller takes a little bit of stress off of Foley, and and Sneller's done a great job of that. Yeah, she really has, and she's been really good leading this middle these middle blockers after the graduation of Madison Harms. You know, this is the person that you know the stats don't really matter to her because she's not going to play volleyball next year. There's interest in her, definitely. I'm pretty sure Morningside's had interest in her along with others uh, to play volleyball. Um, but she's going to Iowa State to be a student, and, and she's going to have fun with that. And yep, and volleyball is done for her after this. So for her, it's her as she said, her success is for the team and. Whatever success she has will only help the team. That's what she's going for, and she thinks the team can, can yeah. So, yep. How how much of an eye opener was it for you seeing what Sergeant Bluff did against Carol? Like you told me last night, I was at the match, and you told me last night, Carol is a good team, and they got absolutely swept off the floor by the Warriors, and it was just so shocking to see the Warriors not letting up. That their focus was laser points. And 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 I think that will carry into next week too. Yeah, that was very impressive. That's why I said, you know, I, I you know, that's the thing. They've got a Xavier to deal with, but I think they're good. Their side of the bracket benefits them too. Yeah, I think West Delaware is good, but just the way Sergeant Bluff played, you're like, man, Waverly Shellrock had a tough test too, but they went five. And you just look the way Sergeant Bluff took care of business. They're going to carry that over to state. And I think that's very. I'm really interested to see how well they play on. I think they got a good first round matchup. Glenwood's a good team, but if Sergeant Bluff can take care of business, then again. Everyone's gonna know they mean business because we. I think they mean business. I think everyone's gonna yeah. see that on yeah. on uh, next Wednesday. Next Give me Tuesday. A, I'm sorry. Yep, yep. Give me a quick hit on the Wolfpack. What's gonna be their biggest key to bring home another championship? Uh, don't choke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's theirs to lose. Honestly, it's theirs to lose. My question is, how many sets, if any, do they lose? That is my question right now. I'm. And does that sound cocky? I don't know. It's just the way. That's just the way Weston is. Tammy, this isn't Tammy Verbeek's first rodeo. It's not no, her it's first not. rodeo. It's like her twenty-first rodeo, I believe. And you know, mm-hmm. the expectations are to win a title every year. And this year, it's kind of wide open. Dyke New Hartford being in three A. You know, Unity being in three A. I just, it's one of those things where I just, I just think it's Western Christians to lose. And that's not a knock on the rest of the field. I guess I haven't even looked at the rest of the field as part of the thing there too. But I just think they're heads and shoulders above the rest of the field from what I've seen from 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 some of the teams throughout the year. It, it just seems like everyone just assumes they're the team that's going to win. And that could be dangerous. That could lead to an upset. You know, I've seen it wrestling, basketball, football, you know, volleyball. I've seen that before too. But every year Western Christian's there, they don't falter. No, they, they don't. don't. They don't get upset. They're the team. I mean, they've won the title two out of the last four, three years. They're going three out of the four. It's probably longer than that, but I'm going by when Olivia Grant said started playing as a freshman. So – it's just, can someone take a set from them is the question. I've seen them play a good Sumner-Fredericksburg teams and just blow them out. I mean, Hudson's going to have their hands full. Um, can Beckman Catholic stay with them? Can Wilton stay with them? Wilton's kind of the team I'm looking at. Maybe that's the team to really give them problems. Maybe Beckman Catholic. I just don't know if Hudson, Osage, or Grundy Center can be those teams. And Grundy Center's had some good history, but God, I just don't think they're on the same level as Western Christian right now because no one's played the schedule Western Christian has in 2A. There's 3A teams that haven't played the schedule Western Christian has this year. 
There's maybe even some Florida teams that have to play the schedule. Sergeant Bluff. Was, has. Well, Sergeant Bluff yeah. has. Well, I, I, well, that's the anomaly. Yeah. But but exactly, and that's the thing. That's because Sergeant Bluff played Western Christian. So yeah, that's yeah, the that's thing. True. Like Sergeant Bluff has played a very tough schedule too. And that's one thing that benefits them going. They've seen a lot of teams. Like they've seen teams that are in the five A state tournament. They've seen Abe Lincoln. You know, they've seen Pleasant Valley. They've seen these teams that are there. Ankeny, West Des Moines Valley, I believe. So. That, that's the thing that's benefited Sergeant Bluff Luton too, which will also benefit Western Christian. You don't go to Lincoln and play those teams at Western Christian and say, yeah, Grundy Center is just as good as them. And that's, I'm sorry, it's not a knock on Grundy Center. That's just the type of schedule Tammy Verbeek plays. And, and just does, to... does it help her see her daughter at Lincoln? Yes, it does. Smart move. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And she'll, she'll play plenty of minutes coming up on Thursday morning, Wednesday morning. Against in their season opener, and, and that's just the FA who she is. But I was going to say, and just to bring it back home too, Dakota Valley played Sergeant Bluff pretty well too, and 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 Dakota Valley is not that bad of a team. As yeah, their their regions just started. They had the bye week tonight, so they they play on uh, Thursday for their first region game. They got a first round bye, and they're one of the top teams in, in Class Eleven A. Um, you know, they're one law. They, they they've got three losses, one to to Sioux Falls Christian, one one to Sergeant Bluff, and one to Western Christian. They also have a win against Sioux Falls Christian. So it'll be really interesting to see how that bracket – I guess, you know, I haven't looked at that bracket, and that's, you know, not good of me on that one. But all the classes are in Rapid City this year, which, which is really nice there. Um, but I guess I haven't seen a Sioux Falls Christian and Dakota Valley in the same region. That's the only thing I wonder. I really hope they're not. I really hope they found a way to separate them because I think that would be really stupid to put them in the same bracket. Um yeah. Oh, they got them all right here. Um, in the region, no, they're not in the same bracket, which is good. Uh, Dakota Valley plays Lennox, I believe, in the next round. And then they'll face the winner of Beersford and Elk Point Jefferson. Two teams I've taken down. They handled Elk Point Jefferson nicely um, in that one. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, Sioux Falls Christian is in region three. So they won't face each other until state in that aspect. So and I believe uh, Sioux Falls Christian had better power points. I'm sorry, Dakota Valley is in Region 4. I said Region 2, Region 4. Uh, Dakota Valley has the top seed points, the second most seed points out of anyone in the state next to Miller. Um, Miller's been pretty good throughout the years, I believe. Um, so that's the thing there. So Dakota Valley's played a very tough schedule as a seed point show, and, and it'll be interesting when I get to state what, what it all comes out, and I, I hope they won't see a Miller or Sioux Falls Christian until the title matches, so. Or semifinals, at the very least, because you're not going to fully avoid it. But yeah, yeah Dakota Valley has Lennox. Dakota Valley needed five sets to beat T area. I pretty much expect Dakota Valley to crush off on that night. So yeah. Yep. Yep. Translation: We got a lot going on. We got football. We got volleyball. We got crossover season with basketball and wrestling starting up on the collegiate practice in Iowa starts Monday. So we got a lot of stuff going on in the area, and it it. it Big time, it's a big time, but it's, it's a tough doing the best we can, and uh, we're having fun doing it regardless. Make sure to follow Justin next week as he'll be at the state volleyball and football tournaments uh, in City Rapids and City Falls. Follow him at Justin Rest on Twitter, and of course, see his stuff in the print editions and at SiouxCityJournal.com. For, for sports editor Justin Rest, this is assistant sports editor Zach James. Thank you so much for listening, as always, every week. We hope to be back next week. We're not promising it, but if we do, we'll talk to you then.